Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today we're going to talk about work accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Because we're going to banter about our workplace as well as give examples when we can, we actually split this into two episodes to cover topics like what are accommodations versus accessibility in general, who qualifies for accommodations under the ADA, what does reasonable accommodations mean, how and when do we request accommodations, and is telework and remote work a reasonable accommodation, and more. Since we're going to talk today about the ADA, or the Americans with with Disabilities Act, this is likely going to be applicable for listeners in the United States, but we really hope that for anyone who's listening in from other parts of the world, first of all, welcome. And second, we hope that in your country, they're going to have their own laws, which require an employer to provide reasonable accommodations to qualified employees with disabilities. So hopefully you have something like that that you can look into. And just so you know, after this two-part series, we are actually going to have an episode where we're going to talk about feeling empowered to ask for accommodations and for help in general, because it is really, really hard, I think, to feel empowered and to find that self-worth and realize that we matter and that our needs matter. At least that has been my own experience. Before we start, we want to recognize that job situations are really tricky, really complicated. And we may not be able to hold a job because we're too ill. We may be in a job that we're struggling to hold because we are so sick. And we may be in a job that we hate, a job that doesn't pay enough to cover our medical expenses or even to make ends meet in general or a job with management that seems to have no training. No training. (laughs) And a job that's extremely stressful and toxic, more work than we should have, less pay than we deserve. We might not even have a job right now, even though we'd like to be employed, because there's not job opportunities for us. We want to just say that we recognize that job situations are very complicated and very complex, and often we're not in the ideal job. Some jobs are back-breaking physical work. Some require you to stand all day. Some give you exactly 15 minutes break only where you have to punch out in a time clock and punch back in to the second. Some of us have to work night shifts or difficult hours or with people all day, which saps our energy. It can be really difficult. The job market itself is really difficult. I remember being employed as a cashier in a clothing store for a while and... It was the most tiring job that I've ever held. I was on my feet all day, and I just remember every day I came home and my legs ached, and they ached, and I couldn't get to sleep because my legs hurt so badly, and then I couldn't leave my register to use the bathroom when I needed. 
And I also remember some years later having two jobs to try to pay for my surgery. And I had the office job that I have now. And then I also was a store clerk at a different store for like 20 extra hours a week. So I was doing 60 hours a week. And you'll guess how long that lasted. Oof. (laughs) A day. (laughs) Three weeks. Wow, that's longer than me. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty impressed with myself. So like Brittany said, the job situations are hard and they take many, many hours out of our day. And I feel really privileged and happy right now to have an office job. And, you know, while we're currently, Brittany and I are trying to get accommodations for our chronic illness and get work from home approved, and we're going to share a bit about that experience today, we do want to recognize that some of you may be fighting for accommodations just to be able to use the bathroom when you need to, or just to be able to take a break for five minutes when, when you're not feeling well. And so we want to shout out to everyone listening for whatever job you are in. It's not easy to work in general. It's, it's especially not easy to work when you have endometriosis. And we also want to shout out to all of the people listening who are not employed right now because having endometriosis and having chronic illness is a full-time job. And it's exhausting. Not being able to work because we are too sick is not easy. And it's not like we're at home, you know, relaxed and having fun all day. A few things before we get started. Per usual, What we talk about today is not an exhaustive list of information. We don't know everything. We're just scratching the surface here. Scratch, 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 scratch. Additionally, Amy and I are not lawyers. (gasps) Really? Correct. We're not disability specialists. You don't say. Or experts on this topic by any means. Or any topic at all. (laughs) Also accurate. (laughs) We're simply two dynamically disabled people who are navigating the really tricky waters of accommodations in various social and professional aspects of our lives. So Amy and I have relied on some pretty helpful resources for this episode, such as askjan.org, and that's A-S-K-J-A-N. JAN stands for the Job Accommodation Network, and others. And as I just mentioned, since we aren't disability lawyers or experts, We do encourage you to read in-depth and double-check all the information we give in this episode if you're in a situation where you want to ask for work accommodations. Honestly, the website askjan.org is one of the most helpful websites I have ever come across about disability. When I was asking for my own disability accommodations in my workplace, I just devoured everything on the Ask Jan website. So we want to give you just a little bit of an idea on the kinds of topics that you could find on askjan.org. So for example, they have articles about how to disclose a disability and request accommodations in the workplace. Or disability disclosure topics. Requesting and negotiating a reasonable accommodation. How to request an accommodation. Accommodation form letter. Sample language for accommodation request letters. Practical guidance for medical professionals, providing sufficient medical documentation in support of a patient's accommodation request. How to negotiate accommodations in the workplace. 
Employee Accommodation Inquiry Letter. What to do if your employer doesn't respond to your accommodation request. Punch them in the face. (laughs) Flick them on the nose. (laughs) How to inform an employer that an accommodation is not effective in a sample letter, i.e. what to do if your employer offers an accommodation that does not work. Flick them in the nose again. (laughs) Leave as an ineffective accommodation a.k.a. what to do if your employer forces you out on leave after you request an accommodation. Dealing with improper requests for medical documentation from an employer. Your accommodation request was denied. What now? Accommodation ideas. Also a really nifty A to Z of disabilities and accommodations. So we we wanted to list that off because I think for many of us, when it comes to asking for accommodations, like I know in my own case, first of all, I didn't even know I could get accommodations. And then second of all, when I realized I could ask for accommodations, I had no idea where to start. I had no idea how to ask for accommodations. I had no idea what would be an example of an accommodation. I had no idea what to do basically to get the accommodations that I wanted and to ask for the accommodations. Well, not even that I wanted, that I needed. So what I like about Ask Jan, we wanted to list off those topics is that, yeah, how do you ask for an accommodation? What do you do if your employer denies the accommodation? How do you provide appropriate medical documentation? And so what are some ideas for accommodations for people with endometriosis, for people with chronic pain or fatigue or digestive problems? And so the website is just very, very easy to navigate, and it's so empowering. I just found it so helpful that when I went into the process, I used their sample format letter to request accommodations. And then I read about, okay, what does the negotiation process look like? And then I was able to read about what next, what is likely going to happen. My employer is going to ask for medical documentation, and then we're going to enter into negotiation process. And it was just really nice to know that that website was there for me to fall back on. So if my employer said, no, we don't want to give you this accommodation or this medical documentation isn't sufficient, I knew that I could go click on one of those links and be like, oh, my gosh, I need to ask Jan. Yes, the the website name is like so properly named because you're like, what do I do? I'm going to ask Jan. Jan, help me. (laughs) Like seriously. Anthropomorphize you as a human being who's out here to help me. Help me, Jan. (laughs) Seriously, help me. (laughs) Help me get the accommodations that I need. I know J-A-N stands for something, but it's just Jan right now. (laughs) Jan the person. Okay, so first, let's take a moment to explain what accessibility and accommodations even are. I think these are some terms that we hear, and we're saying these terms a lot. We don't often talk about what exactly it means we're talking about. So let's start with accessibility. So the concept of accessibility is items, events, things people interact with that are accessible or available to be used by all people. So these could be things like captions on a video, a ramp on a building, or a website that's formatted correctly for a screen reader. All of these things exist so that when a person interacts with those items, they can use them because they are accessible for them. Now, accommodations are more reactive instead of already existing or being proactive. They come as a result, usually of a request, in order for an adjustment to be made to something, in order for a person to be able to access it. 
therefore making it accessible for them. So this means that there's many kinds of accommodations because there's many kinds of disabilities and there's many different kinds of impairments and needs. What everybody needs is different, and there's different levels of accommodations that may need to be put in place. So we're going to focus only on accommodations that you may request if you have something like endo or the related symptoms. Obviously, these aren't all of the accommodations that exist, but we're not going to be talking about things that may not relate to endometriosis. So if you have something additionally, it's good to look at what kind of accommodations you may want to seek in terms of what identity or disability you have in addition to endo. And you know what is a really good website for that? Hmm, I wonder. Is it askjan.org? Yes, you can go ask Jan. <laughs> Thank you. I will. <laughs> again and again. <laughs> Actually, Ask Jan is really helpful because if you go on their website, they have various conditions and impairments listed. So you can actually click on something like fibromyalgia or chronic pain, and then it will provide a list of common accommodations that people ask for, as well as different situations. It has a couple of examples that are really common. For example, X person with chronic fatigue is a cashier in a grocery store, and they have trouble standing all day. Their employer has given them a stool to lean on and anti-fatigue matting. So it's just like really helpful because it gives ideas for accommodation and then it gives like some workplace solutions that have really helped people. Ah, now for those of us with chronic pain, anyone? Anyone? I think everyone's raising their hands. Anyone? I can see into the sea of everyone and I, I see a lot of hands. <laughs> anyone in the audience today? A lot of tears and a lot of pain. hands. I forgot to mention the sea was a sea of blood. But um, and tears. But I did see a lot of hands in, in, in the sea. <laughs> you're not floating on your ship in the sea. You're floating on your heating pad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the comfort. For all of those workers out there with chronic pain, trying to get through the day, but ouch. Ooh. Ah. <clears throat> and more. <laughs> <laughs> Some accommodations that you could potentially get from your workplace is an office that is soundproof so that every time you're inside, stab out, you're like, ooh, and no one hears you. Ah, the dream. (laughs) The dream. Nobody going, oh, I saw them in the bathroom and all I heard was screams from the stall. Yeah. Soundproof everything, please. (laughs) Endless supplies of Kleenex at your desk for all the crying that you do. (laughs) Just get me like a microfiber towel at this point. <laughs> I don't need oh, that the would be tissues. Really I just, nice. you know, a super absorbent towel. <laughs> and then you just wring it out in a trash bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, no, but real accommodations besides the soundproof office and the ever never-ending supply of Kleenex. Some real accommodations that you could ask for with your workplace could be something like an ergonomic workstation, heaters at your desk got that idea from Ask Jan. I was like, yes, it is always so cold in the office. Why am I freezing? We would be at the office and at my office, I had winter boots, even though it was summer, I would come in in my little shorts, my little shorts, my skirt, and then I would instantly layer up. I would put on my jacket. I had gloves that had no fingers for my typing. I had winter boots that I put on and I had a blanket at my desk. So something that you could ask for potentially is heaters at your desk. <laughs> I just Sounds just so trying nice. to imagine a heated blankie, mayhaps. Heated, like having what is what are Amy's workplace accommodations? Oh, we give her heaters at her desk. A never-ending <laughs> supply of Kleenex and 
hot air blowing. Actually, there are people who have brought in their own heaters from home. Those little, yes. like, portable heaters. Yep. So plenty, Put them at your feet. Plenty oh. of my colleagues have those heaters. But you could potentially ask your workplace for heaters if, for example, the temperature is affecting your chronic pain. I want a weighted blanket, mm. a heated blanket, a heating pad, a heated chair. Oh, God. Can I just get you one of those little, like, um, <laughs> bubble rooms that goes over your cube? And then you just walk into it, and there's, like, warm air blowing into it. It's like your own little atmosphere, your own little temperature-controlled bubble. That would be blissful for you. <laughs> get me that. Also, it's soundproof. Also, no one can bother you without a key code. Also, only I have it. <laughs> <laughs> or you could potentially just ask to work from home, and then you could that truly be in your own bubble. <laughs> that solves it all. Where you control your thermostat on your own without having to look at the input of anyone else, where you have your own weighted blanket, where you have your kitties, Aww. where you make the workstation that you choose. That's the combination. Wishful thinking. That is the combination <laughs> I'm striving for. <laughs> All right. Maybe you are one of our wonderful listeners who spend most of their work day, in addition to working, Pooing and farting to their heart's content. <laughs> is it to your heart's content? Or no, is it but to we're your going to intestines content. It's you are more flatulently like... blessed. Okay. <laughs> You're at your desk just like clenching your butt cheeks, just like, oh, please don't make me. How many oh. times have we all done that though? Like, seriously? Especially My when butt you... cheeks are actually very muscular from the clench, okay? <laughs> Especially when you work in cubicle land oh, or yeah. in public, like if you're working in a store. If you're a cashier, I'm like I can't do it's that like, right here, right now. I can't. Um, it's nice when you're around a lot of other people because then you just yeah. like, okay, can I tell you a something that I <laughs> can I tell you? A of trick course, that you I are. learned. Of course. Okay. You know how when you have, um, you know how when you have, <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh my, <laughs> she can't get it out. Uh, I just made you laugh because I want to tell you a trick that I've really learned and relied on. But you know when you have flash. Yes, I'm intimately aware of when I have flatulence. Yeah, constantly. I just want to say, like, you know when you fart? Because it's still, like, horrible sounding. Like, you know when you fart? Like, you know all those fart? Farts? Fart so is horrible. an ugly word. Fart is a when word. When you pass gas, just sounds like neutral. But fart sounds like you're stabbing someone. Like, it's just not a cute word. You know when you step on a frog? Yes, it sounds, that's what we call that's, it. It sounds like a frog when it comes out. It's like, <laughs> so you know when you have a frog come out of your anus? Mm -hmm. Well... No, I don't think many people do. If but you euphemism-wise, okay. yes. If you, <laughs> remember the time that frog crawled out of my anus, and I was like, "What the heck is going on? My endometriosis, reproducing frogs it's turning up in there. into frog spawn." <laughs> Wouldn't put it past endo at this point, honestly. <laughs> so, if you, at the moment of passing gas, grab with both of your hands, grab each of your butt cheeks and pull apart, there's no sound. It is a silent flatulence. That's why a lot of people who have flatulence issues wear a thong because it helps keep your butt cheeks separated just enough that the fart doesn't pass through the butt cheeks. Okay. I used to wear a thong all the time. And let me tell you Not that everybody. it was very noisy Not saying everybody. before I learned to- Just some people do that. <laughs> I have big butt cheeks. So. Yes. <laughs> she got cake. <laughs> I'm just saying some people do that as a, as a trick. 
So it doesn't work for me either. I also have cake. Yeah. <laughs> so pull those butt cheeks apart. You can have a silent one. Then you just blame your coworker. You're just like, what's that smell? Like, I have no idea. Oh. Did you hear somebody fart? I didn't hear anybody fart. Oh. No one said it was a fart. Oh, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> oh, then. Farting me? Um, I've never done that. <laughs> well, apparently you can ask for your own office as an accommodation if you have body odor issues or there any kind of smell issues. I like that. What else can we get, Brittany? If you have digestive problems, you can also request an office or a cube or a workstation, whatever your work has, that's in very close proximity to a bathroom. And it could be that an additional accommodation you need is to have more frequent breaks in order to allow you to use the bathroom when you need to and not make it an emergency situation or make you to have to hold your bowels. Hold them by clenching your butt cheeks, yes. not hold them by <laughs> physically holding. Yeah, nobody was thinking that. <laughs> You're holding all the frogs in your nobody hands. Nobody was holding that. <laughs> it could also look like extended breaks if you have to take a longer time in the bathroom. Now, for all of our wonderful listeners whose heads are trapped in a thick layer of fog as you walk down the street, the weather person is giving running commentary. Look, it's fog. The fog is rolling in. Be careful when you're driving. <gasps> it's a horror movie. There's, it all starts with fog. There's no visibility. For all of our wonderful workers out there with a fabulous brain fog where as you're driving off to work, you're like, where am I going? As you get to work, you're like, am I wearing shoes? Shoot. I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> Well, that's fun, isn't it? That you drive home to get your shoes and drive back. That's why you just keep a pair of shoes in your car. I do. <laughs> People come to my car. They're like, why do you have so much stuff in your car? And I'm like, because. She's fully supplied always. I have forgotten everything. The brain fog. I have forgotten my lunch. I have forgotten my pants. I it's have also you never know shoes. when you're going to need to replace something. <laughs> like I've bled on so many items of clothing. Like I, I need replacement clothes. I have a whole outfit in my car with shoes at all times. Just in case. <laughs> they go in your car like, why is everything covered with towels? You're like, that's <laughs> you never the know. new look. Okay? It's the upholstery. I have a whole darn box of tampons and pads and everything in my car. You just always got to be stocked up. Okay? You never know. Well, with brain fog, you could ask for accommodations like an office to reduce distractions from other people. Things like written instructions instead of just verbal instructions. You could ask for a note taker during meetings that then sends out the meeting notes to everyone that was involved in the meeting, and so much more. Now, for those of us that find ourselves in fatigue camp often, which Who I, are just so again, most of us, <laughs> let's so say I'll take a moment to be fatigued together. Tired. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're back. Okay. Oh, no, we're okay. still here. Sorry. Okay. Uh. I, I allowed myself to rest for one moment. What I nodded a, off. For what a, a decision! What a bad decision that was. <laughs> no, Brittany, it is never a bad decision to rest. In the middle of a podcast, it was. <laughs> it was in this one moment. <laughs> okay, so if you fall into the fatigue, I flick camp, Brittany in the nose to wake oh, her up. Oh, eh, that's fair. <laughs> flick the frog at her butt cheek. Oh, it stinks in here now. <laughs> it stings too. <laughs> so if you have fatigue, some of the accommodations that you could request in the workplace. Could be things like a workplace redesign. So that may look like a stool at your cash register or anti-fatigue mats, which Amy mentioned before, or reclining workstation. 
Other things that are good for pain or fatigue are things... Or, let's be honest... Anything. Anything in general. <laughs> yes. Are things like flexible work schedules. Yes. So that means allowing you to amend your hours to how your symptoms are, how your disease is presenting that day. Could also look like modified break schedules. So instead of a 30-minute break every four hours, you get a 10-minute break every hour. There's many ways that the fatigue can be accommodated for, and these are just some of the examples. And of course, work from home. The the <laughs> golden pinnacle of wishfulness. <laughs> the most beautiful accommodation I wish everybody that could. we <laughs> are all striving to get, except some people who like going to the office or yes. the workplace, but... I wish even cashiers could work from home. I wish we could all, if we could, I wish we could all work from home. I wish we could all work in the location that was most comfortable to us, regardless of the job. (laughs) That's what I wish. And then another accommodation that could be helpful is getting more leave. So something like, you know, if we're going to have surgery or if, for example, we have flares a couple of times a month, or let's say that for some of us, our flares are really, really bad around our period and we're bedridden and we're completely disabled and debilitated, then getting something like more unpaid leave in addition to the sick leave or the PTO that we may or may not have, because let's face it, a lot of companies don't give very good vacation days and they don't give very good sick leave, especially here in the United States. I remember I started working in a company and they were like, you have five days off a year. And I was like, ha, I need five days off a month. (laughs) Yeah, what a joke that is. And that's also not abnormal here in the U.S. So as Amy mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this is mostly about U.S. laws, but many other countries have way more advantage when it comes to leave time being accommodated for and just appropriate leave time for even vacation and PTO, not including sick leave. I mean, it really sucks because, of course, you want to get paid and obviously you need to get paid because you need to pay bills and things in your life and having endometriosis can be very expensive and having chronic illness can be expensive. But that could be an accommodation to look into, especially if you're going to have surgery or like I said, if you you know, typically have flares every month, I put into effect FMLA at my workplace so that every month when I got my period, if I needed to take extra days off, they would not be paid, which sucked really bad, but I wouldn't be at risk of Like, there wouldn't be repercussions for me missing two or three days a month in terms of my job. In an ideal world, every aspect of everybody's job would have accessibility built in. Wow, hold on. (laughs) I know. You had me at, in an ideal world, (laughs) there'd be so many things that I would change. There'd be so many things that we would do differently. Mm -hmm. Oh, it would be so equitable and beautiful. If people that were in charge didn't all look the same and have the same access, things would look very different if all of us were given a seat at the table. And people would be so kind and caring. Let's just pretend that's the world. And we would all get paid our worth. For the work that we do, we would get paid. Instead of getting underpaid and doing extra work. Free labor. And then being scared you're going to lose your job the whole time. And then not calling in sick when you really need to because Mm -hmm. you don't want negative repercussions. And then asking for accommodations but not getting the accommodations that you need. So then pushing yourself really hard and then being totally burned out. And then having every single moment be about how to feel good for your job. So then on the weekend, you're like, I don't have a weekend because all I have to do is rest because I have to be at my job on Monday morning because I can't get accommodation because I won't give me any. And then I have a chronic illness and they don't understand what that's like. And they're like, you have to be here at 8 a.m. And you're like, but I don't work well at 8 a.m. And you're like, I want to sit next to the toilet. And they're like, we have to sit over here. And you're like, but I'm really cold. And they're like, well, that's too bad. That's the temperature. 
and you see it just goes on and on. And then you're like, and you're like, oops, a frog came out of my butt. And then you go, <laughs> oh, fire. I pooed on the floor. My bad. Told you I needed an office next to the toilet. <laughs> well, yes, in an ideal world, every workplace and everything in the world, not just workplaces, would be accessible for people of all types of needs. We don't live in the ideal world, but what we do have is the ability to ask for accommodation. And accommodation is individualized, right? So everybody's accommodation need is probably different and the level of the accommodation that they need is probably different as well. When you said ask for it, I just, this little phrase popped in my head, ask and you shall receive. That's what we hope. Yeah, but I was going to say. That's what we hope. But I'm not really sure if that's <laughs> not always. Happen, so. That's why I said everyone can ask, not everyone can receive. <laughs> And we have to feel empowered to ask, which is what we're going to talk about in part two mm-hmm. in next week's episode. But let's get a little bit into who qualifies for accommodations, what companies have to give accommodations, and all of that good stuff so we can empower ourselves because the truth is a lot of companies don't know how to react to accommodation requests. And, and it's think- hard to advocate for yourself when they don't know what to do. Sometimes you have to steer the ship. And that can be a real burden. It's on not us a that... ship anymore, Brittany. Remember, it's a heating pad. Oh, sorry. You have ocean. to steer the floating heating pad, <laughs> which is a burden on us because we shouldn't have to tell workplaces how to behave, especially when it comes to these laws. They should know how. But the unfortunate reality is that they don't. Just like we sometimes have to educate our doctors, sometimes we have to educate our workplaces. I am so tired of educating yeah, other people who should just yeah. know these things. When yeah, I go to too. my doctor, they should just know what to do on how to treat me. And but again, go, that's that's ideal world. We are not in ideal I know. World. And when I go to my HR department, they should just know how to deal with a person with disabilities. They should just know the laws of they the workplace. They should just have training. <laughs> oh, I know HR training so includes hard? that, but why did you forget all of it? <laughs> why is it like hitting my head against a brick wall? Mm-hmm. When it came to accommodations at a workplace that I worked at, very mysterious here. When <laughs> the vagueness, oh, <laughs> yes, I do know everything, but I also feel like, ooh, do I know everything? <laughs> ooh. So I reached out and I was like, and I used the sample accommodation letter from Ask Jam, which we're going to get to in a minute. And I said that I needed accommodations for my disability. So I went in quite a bit of detail about the accommodations that I needed and why. And the HR representative wrote back and was like, we don't know if we can accommodate this. We don't give these kind of things. You need to talk to your supervisor. So I wrote back and said, I'm asking for disability accommodations under the ADA, which is the law. And then they wrote back, well, if you feel strongly about having a disability, and I was like, (laughs) I was so angry. (laughs) And I just wrote back and I copied like my supervisor and the department head and like the people above them. And I was like, I literally wrote, I don't, in quotation marks, feel strongly. (laughs) I have a disability. I'm asking for the paperwork. So that I can get this in place. I'm not asking for your opinion. (laughs) I feel strongly about how I feel towards you right now. I feel strongly that you don't know what the heck you are doing. So let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the paperwork. Give me, give me, because I'm going to get it signed by my doctor because I need accommodation to succeed. Why is that hard to understand? (laughs) Ridiculous. And then I just went and I threw a frog in her face. I was like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. I was like, rip it. 
toxic frog <laughs> in the face. <laughs> That'd be so great if you could just throw frogs at people who like. It wouldn't be great that frogs are just coming out of your anus, though. <laughs> I don't think that would feel great. <laughs> we don't need that on top of everything else that comes out of our anus, okay? <laughs> To close up our what is an accommodation and move on to the next part of our episode, we just want to say that on askjan.org, it says, quote, accommodation refers to any change in the work environment or in the way things are customarily done that enables an individual with a disability to enjoy equal employment opportunities, end quote. So tell me, Amy, does every workplace in the United States have to comply with the ADA? Well, in the ideal world that Brittany mentioned before, that beautiful, equitable, happy world where we lived in harmony and we're nice and kind to each other, yes, we wouldn't even have to have accommodations. We would just have accessibility naturally, but we don't live in that world. So Title I of the Americans with Disabilities Act requires an employer to provide reasonable accommodation to qualified individuals with disabilities who are employees or applicants for employment, unless to do so would cause undue hardship. So not every workplace has to comply with Title I of the ADA. The entities that have to comply include private employers that have 15 or more employees, as well as state and government employers, employment agencies, labor organizations, and joint labor management committees. So it sounds like for many of us, our workplace probably has to comply with the ADA. Yes, and reasonable accommodations must be provided to qualified employees regardless of whether they work part-time or full-time or are considered, quote-unquote, probationary. All right, Brittany, let's say that I'm working at a workplace that is a covered entity that has to comply with Title I of the ADA. So who's protected? Am I protected by Title I of the ADA? Well, you're never safe from me. But in terms of the workplace. (laughs) Or from the frogs. (laughs) Or from the frogs. (laughs) No one is safe from the frogs. So Title I of the ADA protects what is known as qualified employees with disabilities. That's a technical term. So basically what that's saying is that if you're the employee, the qualified employee, you're able to perform the job. The job duties, the job description, you are the qualified employee. With the disabilities part would mean that you're you're able to perform those job functions that are part of the job requirement with or without reasonable accommodations. So if that's you, you're protected by Title I. Again, that probably covers most all of us. So what you're saying is that under the law here in the United States with the ADA, If we request reasonable accommodations, then the majority of companies have to give them to us. And companies may not give us the exact accommodations that we want. So we'd be like, I want to work from home. And they're like, no, we're going to give you the cubicle next to the toilet. And you're like, but I really want to work from home. Like we're going to give you the cubicle next to the toilet with the anti-fatigue mats and the stool and the reclining workstation, and the heater, and the Kleenex. Like, just let me work from home already, At this point, it would save you money. (laughs) Not everybody's in the 2021. Some of us are still in 1991, okay? So employers may not give you the exact accommodations that you want, which is really sad. But they must give you accommodations so that you can do your job. And we're going to keep going with this and unpack this. 
you know, in the first episode that Brittany and I did on endometriosis and disability, we went into great length about what qualifies as a disability under the ADA. And we broke down what the ADA definition of disability is, which is an impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. And I think one of the biggest obstacles in getting accommodations at work, apart from our beliefs about our intrinsic worth and deserving those accommodations and feeling guilty about asking for those accommodations, which we're going to talk about in the next episode in part two, but I think one of the biggest barriers to getting accommodations at work is that we don't realize that our illness can qualify as a disability under the ADA. And so we don't know that accommodations are an option. I know at least that was my case, that I had no idea that I could ask for accommodations under the ADA. So I didn't ask for them. I didn't ask for them because I didn't know that I could. Although I know that endometriosis substantially impairs a lot of my major life functions, I had no idea that that offered me protection under the law with my employer because my employer is a covered entity under title that has to comply with Title I. So I had no idea that I could have asked for this. And that is why we really just want to empower you to understand the ADA if you're living in the United States because we want you to be able to ask for accommodation if that is what you need and to feel confident in asking for accommodation. And we really want you to know that the definition of disability is very broad under the ADA. And so if you're not sure if you have a disability, you can look on the ADA website. You can look at Ask Jan. You can look at the resources that we linked in the previous episode that we did where we discussed at great length the definition of disability. But if you're not sure if you have a disability or if you qualify for accommodations, you may just want to ask for it anyway because if you need those accommodations, it's likely that you have a disability and it's likely that you qualify to have those accommodations under the law as long as, of course, your employer is considered a covered entity. So if I could go back and give myself advice to the Amy of several years ago when I moved back to the United States and I started my office job, I would just encourage myself to ask for accommodations and not be scared and open up these conversations and start the negotiation process. Your workplace has to give you effective accommodation under the law if they are a covered entity and you are a qualified employee with a disability. And if you or they don't fit the Title I criteria of the ADA, they may still give you the reasonable accommodations that you need if you make a case for it. So now we're going to discuss a little bit about how to make a request to your qualified employer. Yeah, Brittany, how do we make a, do we just throw a frog in their face and the frog throws up our accommodation request? The frog's like, hello, she wants to work from home. I thought I was explaining this. You just, <laughs> you said all the steps. Oh, thought it was my turn. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, that's exactly how you do it. When the frog crawled in my anus, it was real tickly. So I just had I to like get that out there. Tickly and sticky. Ew. <laughs> it's covered in venom, remember? <laughs> or toxins, poison. Oh, that's why my anus hurts so badly. Yeah, that's why it that's burns. That's why it burns. Yep. <laughs> and it's a little numb. <laughs> I thought it was the endo, but it's no, really the frog in there. It's really the toxic frog. <laughs> So when making a request to your employer, some of the things that are important to know is that 
It doesn't have to be in legal language or legalese, as some people call it. Thank God, because I don't know how to speak that. (laughs) It doesn't have to be in overly medical language either. Like there's no special language that you have to use to make the request. It can be in good old regular office writing, so professional, of course, but it doesn't have to be anything special or over the top. So you're saying I can use regular language, nothing special, nothing fancy words from the internet that I'm probably going to use wrong if I try to (laughs) use them anyway, but I should still be professional. I shouldn't write things like, dear HR, every single morning when I get up, my butt crack is really itchy from all the frogs coming out of it. (laughs) And so it'd be really wonderful if I could just work from home because every time the frog crawls out, it's got a little... I have to scratch my butt crack. (laughs) There's a little scratchy, scratchy going on behind there. You know what I mean? And Yeah, we don't have to be graphic, okay? We have to be professional in our request. But remember, graphics just make people feel uncomfortable. And honestly, we should make them feel uncomfortable. So but don't that's attach... not what we're going for here, okay? <laughs> so don't attach a photo or like a Of your video. blood clot. No, nothing like that. <laughs> Those are for sharing between friends. Is it just Amy and I that share that? Maybe. Okay, anyway, moving on. <laughs> So, yes, you don't have to use anything special, just have to be professional. And you don't even actually have to technically mention the ADA, but a really great way to make sure that you're taken seriously and make sure that your request is given the gravitas that it deserves is to say something like, I'm requesting a reasonable accommodation under the ADA. So it tells the employer exactly what you're looking for and exactly why you're looking for it. And it's also good to usually include that you're looking for those reasonable accommodations due to a medical condition. And if you don't want to use that phrase that I just used, it's still important to make sure that you mention it's for a medical condition and not just for preference or desire. Not just because you want to. Although we should be allowed to have accommodations just because we want them. Seriously. but (laughs) But alas, again, the world we live in. This may be a conversation once this starts that is had uh, over the phone or in person, depending on your workplace, but it is very important to have this in writing. So I would say even if you approach in person or want to have a one-on-one conversation, follow up with an email or request that your employer responds to your conversation with an email outlining the accommodations that have been put in place or whatever the conversation entailed. It's just really important for us to have a record irrefutably about what was discussed in this conversation. There was once a time, a long time ago, when I got totally fudged over by my workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really yummy fudge. Yeah. Yeah. The really fl- fudge that sat behind the store <laughs> in 101 degree weather. Some kid peed on it. Some toxic frog walked over it. <laughs> Melted that fudge. That kind of fudge. Yeah, where prior to having my surgery, we had discussed what it would look like when I came back to work. And, you know, the good old surgeon who was like, oh, yeah, you'll be back to work in just two weeks. You'll be feeling as normal. And I was like, yeah, wait, 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 okay, wait, yeah. Wait, ha! <laughs> okay, anyway, keep going. <laughs> we were so naive back then. I had no we clue were. about anything. I literally... You think my body heals on normal people's time? What did you, what did you mean? Well, also, who heals from a surgery in two weeks? Two weeks. No one. Maybe he did. No one. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, ha! continue. (laughs) Okay. Lost an ovary there. Could not sit or could not even bend or sleep or sit properly for about three months, (laughs) two weeks. (gasps) Don't think so. So there I was with my employer discussing how I was going to be out for two weeks and I was going to come back and be fine. And we were all like, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to eat that fudge together. 
And what happened? <laughs> I was not well at two weeks, let me tell you. Definitely not. <laughs> I was really, really, really unwell, but... Barely Barely not bedridden still after two weeks. <laughs> I could not walk properly, but I had used my PTO and it was time to go back or have unpaid leave. And I was like, I got bills. I have got some serious Girl has bills. bills so okay. FMLA is not going to happen right now. Yep. We need to get back to work. But we had discussed how I was going to be out for two weeks and then I was going to come back and work from home for a week and then I was going to go back. And we had discussed all of that verbally, and it was all like, yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wow, they're so wonderful. But nothing was in writing. I had no idea to protect myself. I had no idea that I had to do that because I was all trusting. And I was all like, yeah, people Aww. people do what they say. When You're people so promise naive. you that they're going to do things, they're actually going to do them. We believed so much. <laughs> I can't even. I Learn can't from even our fathom. mistakes. Even if you have the nicest employer in Go the world. Go in there like you're jaded. Like, listen yes. and be like, thank you. Now, put there it all in writing you're and gonna, sign your name. As if you need to go to court about it. Get everything in writing, <laughs> always. And this is just a, a Amy and Brittany life advice. This applies to everything, okay? Everything. <laughs> everything in writing from an employer. So the point is, I had to stay home for an extra week unpaid. And I had, I literally had to, which I didn't want to do. So I did that. And then I thought I was going to come back and still get my week of working from home. But apparently because the week that we had said I was going to work from home, I had stayed home having unpaid leave. I was no longer somehow entitled to work from home for a week. And that was like, no, you used your work from home week by not coming in and taking unpaid leave. And I was like, um, yeah, but now I'm back. As if that was a permanent thing that can't be moved. From home. <laughs> Makes no sense. Um, I don't get it. I extended the time I wasn't working by a week. That doesn't mean that I don't still need to work from home for a week. What kind of logic? Hello. And then I went to our HR apartment and I was like, this happened. I was crying. I was really upset. So I went into work. I could barely walk. I couldn't even drive there. I had my boyfriend drop me off because I was unable to drive my car. Yes, that's right. And I like went and all hunched over. I could barely move. I couldn't even sit. I actually had to like lay down on the floor with my laptop because my belly abdomen would not like bend, bend in yeah. that way. It was very obvious that I was unwell. Then I was asking coworkers like, can you find me this other chair? Can you find me another chair? I made this like, it was a big scene, and my, my boss was just, like, watching this. I was like, clearly I am not well. And I went to the HR department, and I was like, hey, they, they said I could do this. And he was like, is it in writing? And I was like, no. And he was like, then you got nothing. And I was like, <laughs> why? And he didn't mean it to be mean, but it was a big dose of reality. <laughs> like, he was right. We had nothing. We had nothing to protect her. So in the end, I got to work from home in the morning and still come in in the afternoon. And then COVID happened, and surprisingly, everyone could just work from home. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Oh like, what? God. Like, what? <laughs> and actually, during that time, we already had, we were able to telecommute, like, once a week. Like, we already had telecommuting in place. So just the logic was completely flawed. So <laughs> It was 2019 in 2001 yeah. Yeah. energy. Yes, exactly. So employers don't know what they can do because they don't want to do. That's the reality. <laughs> At what time, timeline, time point in my career or job search process or employment should I be asking for these accommodations? Never. <laughs> 
That's what I feel like that's what most workplaces want. <laughs> it to never happen. <laughs> as soon as you show up and you're Everyone like, is worker bee. No one need anything. As soon as you show up and you're like in the you like knock on the HR office and you're like, Hi, I want to talk about reasonable accommodations under the ADA for medical conditions. We're closed. No one's here. <laughs> exactly. No one's ever been here. We've never had HR. Good luck. Have the a nice shades day. roll down. The sign that goes from open to close. It's like the, the whole place is deserted. You cannot the have empty. it. <laughs> is this a ghost town? Yes. Where did everyone go? Ooh. The tumbleweeds go through. Yeah. <laughs> then you like open the door and you find your employer hiding under their desk. They're huddled together. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, no, there's no one here. You can't see us. We don't want to talk about reasonable accommodations in the ADA. There's no accommodations that are reasonable here. Leave. <laughs> Britt and I are so jaded. We just like. After our experiences, we have a little with bit of Barry's trauma. employer. It's really hard. That's the thing is it's really hard. And We're trying to make it easier for you. <laughs> To know what to deal with, to know what to say, to know what you should put up with and what you should fight back on. We're trying to not have anybody experience what we have experienced, which is not the reality. Other people will, but anything we can do to make it better. I do want to say one thing is that I was at the same employer before the pandemic happened and then while there were like national lockdowns and then when the national lockdowns lifted, although the pandemic was in full during this time, the lockdowns were lifted. And so navigating, trying to get accommodations pre-pandemic was a lot different experience than navigating accommodations post-lockdown. So like pre-lockdown, before the com- before many, many companies went remote, and of course not every company could go remote, not every position can be a position that can offer telework telework because, of course, there are positions where you actually have to physically be there. But there's also a lot of positions where the person does not have to be there because they're working from a computer all day long. And prior to COVID and the lockdowns, I didn't know that I had a disability and I didn't know that I had protections under the ADA. So when I was trying to negotiate for what I needed, I wasn't even though I said it was for a medical condition, it, first of all, it was clearly obvious that like my supervisors and bosses and clearly HR department were not aware of the ADA and they were not aware that they had to provide me reasonable accommodations. So it was just like we would negotiate about things that just weren't sufficient for me. It was like, okay, when I get my period, I get really sick. I need to work from home. And it, and it was like, yeah, you can work from home one day a month. It's like I need more than one day a month. The week of my period, I need to be able to come and go as I please. I need a flexible working schedule. I need to be able to work laying down. And they're like, okay, well, you can come to work on time. But if you start feeling sick, you can leave after lunch. And if you want, you can lay down in the nursing room, which is like a room where people who are nursing can go to um, pump their milk. And it's like, I mean, that's nice that you offer me to lay down in that room. But it doesn't have a sofa. It just has an armchair. So, like, you cannot actually recline. You have to sit in the chair. And, like, what if multiple people in our workplace were nursing during that time? So, like, am I just supposed to – and you're supposed to, like, people, like, book the room. It's like, I, I can't anticipate when I'm going to be so exhausted that I need to go lay down in that room. And what if someone's already in the room? Anyway, so the point is, is that – it was really hard to navigate trying to get accommodations. Like I'm trying to get table scraps from my employer pre-pandemic. But then after the lockdowns happened and they were all like, oh, wow, people have worked from home and 
been successful, although don't... They've done it for decades now. We're just catching up. (laughs) Although don't get us started on how quickly so many employers wanted to get back to work. (laughs) Everyone wants to return to the office. No. No, Kevin. Just you do. (laughs) No, the majority of people really don't, but apparently don't want to listen to us. And it's fine if you do, but that's not the majority of people, as evidenced by literally dozens and hundreds of polls and articles. Okay? But once our employer took us back to work, it was a lot easier to get accommodations. So that's where this episode that we're doing today has come from, is me going online and learning about the ADA and reading all the resources on askjan.org and becoming empowered to use their resources to ask for accommodations, to enter into the negotiation process and to really stand up for what I need and say, no. Thank you for offering me the nurse's room and a cubicle next to the toilet, but that is not sufficient for my needs. So let me provide you medical documentation so that you can understand that I need to work from home in order to be successful at my job. And you're right, in the past, I never, quote unquote, needed these accommodations. The truth is I've always needed these accommodations. I have been hurting myself at my job to do my job, wiping myself out, exhausting myself, coming home from work every single day and just collapsing in the doorway as soon as I walk in because that's how exhausted I am, wondering if I'm going to crash my car on the way home from how tired I am. My eyes will barely stay open. That is dangerous. I didn't realize how much going into the office was harming me until lockdown happened and I had to work from home with many other people. I didn't understand the impact, the amount of impact it was having on my body and on the conditions that I have. And now I'm not better, but the difference is like night and day for me because so many of my symptoms are exacerbated by many of the things that seem normal and average for most people who commute and who don't have chronic illness. But for me, it was like Amy said, it was it was driving me to a place that I was getting dangerously close to being very, very seriously ill. And when I didn't, when we weren't able to commute because we were all locked down and had to work from home, I noticed improvements in my symptoms. And I also was able to focus better on making myself feel better with accommodations I was able to make in my own schedule. One of those big things we talk about is like eating. You have to eat at a certain time in the office and you have to eat whatever you've brought with you. But at home, I can eat for whatever my body needs at the time that it needs. I have stopped having debilitating stomach aches and nausea because I'm able to adjust for myself. And that's a huge thing that most people don't really know is something we deal with and experience. Yeah, when the HR department said, well, you've never needed these accommodations in the past, it's like, first of all, my illness fluctuates. So yeah, I can be sick from one day to the next. So it could be, sure, that last year, I was not as sick as I am this year. That is a normal thing with chronic illness. We can add on co-conditions like we're adding on accessories, okay? Ooh, pretty. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) what does chronic fatigue look like? Oh, here's some new (laughs) earrings and here's interstitial cystitis. Here's a ring to go with those I'm all adorned. I'm decked out now. (laughs) (laughs) And here's some muscle activation syndrome. I'm I'm the prettiest (laughs) girl at the ball. (laughs) And also the most tired. (laughs) So that was an obstacle that I faced was judgment from people saying, well, you never needed this in the past. 
And I said back, the truth is, I have always needed this, but I have never, ever felt empowered to ask for it. And now I feel empowered to ask for it. And now I know that it can be done. Because at least with our own workplace and working remote, you know, when I wanted to work remote after my surgery, it was, oh, we can't work remote. Even though, as Brittany said, we were already working remote once once a week. The people who had been there for two years were allowed to work remotely once a week. So it's like, I'm already working remote once a week. <laughs> I, so I can do it. I'm Everybody pretty, can do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can work remote five times a week for one week if I can work remote once a week. But anyways, what I said was now I feel empowered to ask for what I need and to stand up for myself. And what I've been given in the past was not adequate, but I did not know how to speak up for myself. And I did not know that you were required to give me reasonable accommodations under the law. And now I know that. And now I'm going to get it. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to get my accommodations. <laughs> yes, I am. So back to Brittany's question about when should we request a reasonable accommodation. I mean, really, we can request a reasonable accommodation when we need them. If we suddenly realize that we need an accommodation due to our disability, then we can go ahead and ask for it. We don't have to have talked about our accommodation in the job interview if we don't have to mention anything about our disability in the job interview. And I know in my own case, personally, I will not be mentioning endometriosis in any job interviews because I don't want to be discriminated against. Even though discrimination is against the law, discrimination happens. I don't want any employer to think that I am not competent to do the job because I have a disability or because I have a chronic illness. But I do think if I, you know, whenever I change jobs in the future, while I'm not going to mention anything about my disability in the interview process, once I get offered the contract and I've been told, yeah, we want you, here's the contract, then I'm going to mention my disability and I'm going to say, wonderful, I'm very excited to work here and I want you to know that I have a disability and I need these accommodations. And on top of that, something that is a good idea to do is once you've had that discussion, Tell the employer that you'd like a new contract written with those accommodations written into your contract, which means they cannot be undone. They cannot be broken. They can't take them back. And that is the most safe and secure way to have what you want and need in writing. And you know you're going to get it. But again, you don't have to mention anything in the job interview. You don't have to mention anything when you get the contract. You can mention at any point in your career, in your employment that you need accommodations for your disability. But I think it's a really good idea to ask your employer for accommodations before you start to have problems with your performance. If your job performance starts going downhill, then it can be really difficult to come back from that in the eyes of your employer, right? Because it's like, oh, Amy was doing a really good job, but now Amy's not doing a good job, and now Amy needs these things. And it's like, no, I need these things to have a good job, to do a good job. So it's just better to ask for what you need before it starts to affect your performance. And if you've been at your job for a while and, you know, obviously you can't get into a contract because it's not a new job, it's not too late. And if your performance has been affected, it's also not too late. So don't let that discourage you from taking the steps. But overall, best practice would be to get something in place before it becomes a problem for your performance. But if you're not in that boat and there is a problem, don't feel like it's a hopeless or it's too late. That's definitely not the case either. We're going to leave off here today because we're only halfway down with what we want to discuss on this topic. 
We're going to come back in part two to continue this discussion, and we're going to talk about accommodations under the ADA. In part two, we're going to talk about medical documentation, preferred versus effective accommodation, telework, and what is considered a reasonable accommodation versus an unreasonable one. So once more, all of our resources are on our website in 16years.com. Just as a reminder, if you love our podcast, you can share it on social media, rate it in your podcast app, or buy us a coffee. The link to buy us a coffee to support our work is on our support page on our website in 16years.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.